Let's Talk Sales. This is a podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past, but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. You can learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. All August at Criteria for Success, we've been writing and talking about innovation. You can check out the blog for more best practices, information, and advice for you and your team. In this CFS Talks Sales Roundtable, we'll be talking about sales innovation specifically. When it comes to sales, innovation can be really complicated, and there are a lot of unique factors within sales teams, so I hope you enjoy this discussion. This is Elizabeth Frederick. I am Operations Officer and Senior Advisor, and I recently wrote an ebook on innovation. It's called Driving Innovation, How to Foster a Culture of Innovation Within Your Team. Make sure you check it out. With me today, I have our CEO, Charles Bernard. Hello, everybody. And our Director of Marketing, Rebecca Toomey. Hello. Uh, you might notice we are missing a voice that you typically hear from in these episodes. Ariana Miskell is uh, under the weather today, so she won't be able to join us. So get well soon, Ariana. Uh, she will be the one who has to edit this episode. Feel uh, better. Everybody, uh, you can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod77. So uh, let's get started. When we talk about innovation, it's a kind of a broad topic in general, but I wanted to focus specifically on sales and what makes sales innovation different. Um, when I started thinking about that, for me, um, what it really came down to was trust. And I think a lot of times within organizations, um, there's not a lot of trust that salespeople should have a role in driving innovation. Um, there is a stereotype, and I think sometimes it's actually a true stereotype, but that salespeople are always working around the process, that they're, um, they're crossing lines, pushing boundaries, selling things that don't exist um, maybe yet, maybe not at all, and they aren't always taken very seriously, um, which then makes it challenging because they might have good ideas. Um, and I think there's often, because of that lack of trust, there's not a really solid pipeline for any information, any ideas that might come out of sales to get bubbled up to the right people in the organization because they just kind of fizzle out. Um, and to me, that's really the big challenge that I see specifically when it comes to sales. Definitely. And innovation certainly means different things to different people. Uh, but when we're talking about this in the context of sales, to me, it's all about thinking outside the box. You know, in sales, it's thinking about what we haven't done, what aren't we doing, what can we do better. It's easy to get in a rut and do the same things over and over and hope for different results. Wait, that's uh, the <laughs> definition of insanity, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> we do that a lot. And I know that it's easy for salespeople to kind of want to reinvent the wheel and say, all right, well, let's scratch all of this. Sometimes it's not scratching all of it. It's saying, where is the process broken? What, where, where are we having problems? And thinking outside of what has been done in that specific area. Um, yeah. New ways to help solve prospects' problems or thinking about sm selling smarter. How do prospects want to be sold versus how do I want to sell to that prospect? Definitely. I think what you were saying, you know, it's not about just throwing out the whole process, but look at the whole process. And there are two things that we might need to improve. It's sure. not just scrap the whole thing and go off on my own way. Yeah, definitely. I like the question. So what do I think are the main things that make sales innovation different? I have to really think about that. Uh, I think that 
Number one, what makes sales innovation different is not to rely on one subject matter expert or a few subject matter experts, but really leverage the power of the team. I think there is a lot of knowledge in sales that doesn't get tapped, and I'll talk about a little bit of that later on. But to kind of piggyback on what you said, Elizabeth, I, I think it is important to give salespeople a voice and the respect that oftentimes they don't get because mm-hmm. they're perceived as just trying to sell anything to collect a commission, which I think is a misnomer. But I do think that there are an enormous amount of be- best practices that are locked up in people's head and that um, what makes sales innovative is the ability to tap into that. Definitely. I think that's such a great observation, Charles. And I wonder if maybe part of that is because a lot of times sales organizations can be rather flat. And in Mm. other parts of the organization, there are a lot of different hierarchies, a lot of different roles, maybe more people who have um, titles and and kind of hierarchy that makes them seen as leaders. And so they are expected to provide ideas, expected to be the ones that are driving innovation, whereas the sales organization, a lot of times people just view that as they're all the same. um, And they're not even kind of given that that level of uh, seniority almost internally. Good point. Uh, we always kind of spark different thoughts in each other. So um, speaking of kind of our different perspectives, um, each of us obviously is coming from a different place. And so I always think it's um, helpful to share stories. Um, so I'd love to hear from each of us a story of how you might have personally experienced or been a part of sales innovation. Yeah, so I'll jump on in this one. This one was a hard question for me because there, I have a lot of different stories. <laughs> Things are always innovating. And there's one story that I'm going to tell a little bit later. But for now, I'd like to start by saying CRM. When <laughs> I first started using a CRM, that was a game changer for me personally as a salesperson. It was a big innovation at the time for the company that I was at at the time. Now, if you're listening today, however many years later that it was that I had a CRM and you still don't have a CRM, I don't know what you're doing, you better get one. <laughs> so if you have a sales team, CRM is a huge innovator within your business because it allows you to do so much more. So yeah. that's kind of... It drives a lot of ongoing innovation too. You know, when Definitely. you have a CRM system, suddenly you get all these ideas and you, you change different parts of your organization based on what you're learning from the system itself. Definitely. And I would say the second one that goes hand in hand with CRM is having a sales playbook, a digital sales playbook. When I first started working here at CFS, that was a huge game changer for me because Mm -hmm. you're taking all of your processes, everything that you do is in one place. You can edit any piece of that process at any time. And that's an amazing thing. And I've watched countless people and countless sales teams use their sales playbooks for new innovations and new creative thinking and ideas and working on those processes and techniques day to day, which is really what helps keep us in innovation mode. I'd like to add to that because a lot of our clients have asked us this question, and that is, um, what belongs in the playbook? What belongs in the CRM? And just the nature of the question implies that there's a connection. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't connect the playbook to the CRM. That's so true. So many people think that their sales playbook should be in their CRM. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think, Charles, you can best speak to why that's not as valuable as having them separate from each other, but speaking to each other. Well, actually, I was just having that conversation this morning with uh, a new prospect we were talking to. He asked the same question. And the way I like to respond, which is pretty much how I respond to that question across the board, is that the CRM 
drives uh, the management of the relationship and the playbook drives the knowledge. In other words, a CRM would have um, information about a lead or a contact and if you can link from that information about a lead or a contact to the playbook, let's take a lead for example, the playbook would tell you how to qualify the lead. What are the scripts? What are the things to say? What are the things not to say? What are the questions to ask? I don't think that belongs in the CRM because now you're kind of crowding it with too much information and the CRM really is more of a database management system. That's how I look yeah, at and it. And you'd have to reprogram it every time you change your process. Exactly. Definitely. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, we, we often um, get that question, as Charles was saying. And um, I think also one of the big differences uh, that, that can help is you really need to think about the playbook as your series of plays. And so yeah. um, if you if we go like really far in the sports analogy, which this is dangerous because I am I'm a hockey fan, but not much of a other sports fan. But, you know, the the CRM is your box score. It's it's the plays. It's what's happening. It's the data, the information. But the the actions that you take, the skills, the ideas, the best practices, it's hard to mix those in with the information itself. You really need to have a separate place that's, um, you know, when we look at our sales playbook platform, Calavia, it's a sales training academy and it's mm -hmm. got um, knowledge and resources and best practices. Um, when you build it out, it has your own best practices for selling. And so to take, you know, here's a lead in the system, John Doe, what do I do <laughs> to engage John Doe? What questions do I ask John Doe? How do I run a meeting with John Doe? All of that can't be in your CRM. That's going to be really clunky. But you need to have a place that says when you have a lead, any lead, this is what you do. And then you just link that to the leads page. <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's a good description. I was just thinking as you were speaking, Elizabeth, that the CRM is kind of more rigid and hierarchical and the playbook is more flat. And if you think about it, it really is about driving innovation. Like you're constantly pivoting, thinking of a new way to say something, a new way to act on a particular idea. And that's all what the playbook is about. It's the ability to quickly pivot, change the dynamics as the market changes, as sales comes up with new innovative ideas, um, rather than kind of leave that to chance, put it somewhere that other people can benefit from. That's yeah. really the heart and soul of the playbook. Definitely. But I, I'll talk about something specifically to answer the question about a story. Uh, way back in the day, people used to, salespeople used to make cold calls. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of pushback. In, well, in, well, wait, people used to make cold calls. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was I such a thing. Cold call, although they come, to, they come from robots <laughs> Robots now. <laughs> now. But, you know, people push back pretty heavily and say, you know, that doesn't work. We don't do that. You'd be surprised how many sales teams are still out there actually making calls on the phone. And I think that one of the innovative ways to make a cold call, or even if it's a call to follow up on a referral where it's somewhat cold, the three things that I remember being taught way back in the day from uh, a, another sales trainer uh, that I've adopted is um, number one, start the call with something called pattern interrupt. And I thought that was extraordinarily innovative when he said that to me. And I'm like, what is pattern interrupt? And he said, well, people are engaged in a pattern of behavior. They're reading email. They're writing a Word document. They're doing something when you call and they happen to pick up the phone you want to interrupt that pattern with a compelling question. And he said, start by asking 
does my name ring a bell or does my company name ring a bell? And what that does is force the other person to kind of think for a minute, um, do I know this person? Does your name ring a bell? Who are you? And in doing that, you've actually broken whatever pattern you're in the midst of. And that, if you talk to people who do a lot of cold calling, and I've done that, they'll tell you that that's the key to be able to get people to pay attention. Now, the next thing is, and this one you're going to love. When, when I first heard this, it really blew my mind. But it was actually my old business partner who used this line. And um, I've used it, and I'm actually shocked at how many people respond positively. And the line is, this is a sales call, now's your time to hang up, or some version <laughs> of that. And, you know, you get someone on the phone, does my name ring a bell, yes, no, whatever. And then you come clean and say, I'm actually calling to sell you something, and you can hang up now if you want. And having done that, you'd be amazed to hear probably um, the amount of people actually don't hang up. And, and just it, like laugh or you, know, you catch them unaware. It also probably kind of gives you a sense of confidence if they don't, that you feel like, you know what, you opted into this. You opted um, in. You and it changes your mindset. Because I think a lot of times when we're, um, when we're making a difficult phone call, whether it's a cold call or following up on something, whatever it is, um, we're feeling like we're an interruption. We're feeling kind of bad about what we're doing and like a sense of guilt. And if somebody opts in, you're like, okay. I'm, we're on the same page. They know what I'm here for. They've agreed. Um, it feels a lot better to move forward with a call. Just uh, Charles, it kind of reduces you, your head trash. Has, Charles, you have another one of these that you use, and that's when you ask, "Is this a bad time?" Yeah. Instead of saying, "Is, is, is now, this a good time?" Is, now, is this a good time? You yeah. ask, "Is this a bad time?" Yes. Then it puts the other person in the mode where they think about it. And then they respond. Right. Well, you're giving people the ability. There's a whole psychology behind that. And actually, that's like a whole different topic. But <laughs> the asking people is now a bad time um, allows them to use a word that a lot of salespeople don't like to hear. And that's no. <laughs> and actually, the psychology is by saying no, it's actually a good thing for, uh, for a prospect. Because um, th that's the, in this book that I read, now, that's their safety word. Um, but anyway, I digress. The third thing that I found in this outline is to, rather than launch into whatever you're selling, whatever services you have to offer, is to say something like, I have a 30-second intro. Uh, I'd like to give it to you, or would you like to hear it? Again, like Elizabeth said, sort of more of an opting in. And why I like this approach, if you think about it, does my name ring a bell? I'm going to sell you something. Now's your time to hang up. <laughs> and I have an intro, would you like to hear it, is very different than rushing to throw out a pitch to which people probably don't even listen and right away can't wait to get off the phone. So um, I thought that was pretty innovative. Definitely. I compare that to um, all of the voicemails and phone calls that I get where it just you pick up sometimes and it's, it immediately jumps into a recording. Um, they're not giving you kind of the option to take control. And I think what you were talking about, Charles, about, um, you know, letting people say no, it's it's letting them know that you listen to them and respect them and are giving them the, them the ability to say no. That lets a prospect feel comfortable and lets them feel like um, they're in control, which puts them in a better listening mindset. Um, I when I started thinking about just stories where I've seen sales innovation, um, I really went to the media space. We've had a lot of clients over the last few years in the media space, and as our, I'm sure our listeners all know, um, the media landscape has changed drastically over the last few years. Um, you're seeing audiences that are moving away from 
um, consuming media in traditional ways. People aren't buying as many magazines. They're not going directly to publishers, directly to um, a website of a publisher. Instead, they're reading those same stories, but maybe on Facebook or other social platforms. Um, publishers have found it all of the media is 100% truth <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook. Maybe not. Um, but publishers have found it really difficult because they, you know, they make their money on eyeballs, seeing their content in their space. And if those eyeballs are finding their content elsewhere, um, they, they've lost audience. And then you also see, they're getting hit from both sides. It's really tough. Um, the, the sales teams for these media companies, for these publishers, are not, are not experiencing the same buying behaviors from their own customers. You know, their clients are the people who advertise within those publishers. So whether that's, you know, consumer products. If you look at a magazine, you, you picture all of those ads that are in there, that's who's paying for the magazine. That's what keeps the magazine afloat. You buy the magazine, but really where they make their money is in those ads. And companies don't want to buy anymore the way they've used to. Um, it used to be that if you came from a big media company, you could get in and talk to you know, the, the people who led the advertising and PR and marketing teams within those companies and kind of build a strategy with them. Now they're sending you to a junior media buyer, um, maybe even outside their company in a PR company um, or an, an advertising company that they partner with. And you're seen as a commodity. So they're getting killed on the audience side and they're getting killed on the buyer side. And that's why we've seen so many media companies really struggle. Yeah. Um, and you see some companies failing and things folding, but you're also seeing a lot of innovation in the ones that are sticking around the ones that are doing well um, and it's all through innovation you know some publishers are working on building creative solutions so they're finding different ways of putting packages together we're seeing a lot in terms of creating experiences things that you can't necessarily replicate online whether that's creating um, you know pop-up locations and events and other things or really creative sponsorships um, you you see innovation happening because it's necessary and what we're seeing a lot of times is that um, the innovative ideas are coming um, from different teams. It's coming from a lot of times sales and marketing really working together, um, sometimes in kind of emergency mode to figure out how can we come up with something that people want to buy. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been really exciting to, to see and be a part of. You know, it's it's difficult. It's traumatic for a lot of these companies. They go through a lot of changes. But the ideas that they come up with and the solutions that they come up with have been really exciting. Well, that's interesting. So that's your example is innovating for survival in a way, right? Yeah. It's like innovate or die yeah. or innovate or be taken over by your competition. So that's an interesting thing that people are driven in many cases to innovate. Definitely. I think um, in most industries right now, you know, if you're not changing, you're falling behind yeah. and everybody's innovating around you. And sometimes it's just that your competitors are moving faster than you, but there's not maybe um, an incentive in your industry. But sometimes when it comes to media, for example, um, when it comes to retail, there's a lot of challenges facing retail right now. And there are a lot of sectors where innovation is absolutely necessary to survive. It's interesting, even thinking, I just, this popped into my head. I noticed lately at my grocery store, um, I don't go to the grocery store nearly as often anymore. I have a meal kit delivery service that like everybody in the world seems to have right now. <laughs> and in the grocery store, they now have meal kits that they're selling mm -hmm. that are prepared because they've realized customer behavior has changed. And people don't always want to go and pick through all the different aisles and think through all the different things. And so you can go and get a bag and it says on it, you know, make chicken tikka masala with the ingredients in this bag. And this has a meal for two or a meal for four. You just pick up that bag, go to the checkout. They're innovating kind of because they need to, but it's, it's interesting to see. And so I think a lot of times innovation, 
you know, we like to think of innovation that comes just from this true desire to like, you know, move forward and have big ideas. But it's pressure from outside that really oh, yeah. pushes a lot of the innovation Definitely. that needs to happen. I bought a pair of sports socks at a, um, at my favorite retailer the other day, sports retailer. And um, there was a big line and they must, the people behind the counter at the registers must have just gotten some good training because I walk up and immediately um, the person says to me, uh, you know, uh, do you want a bag? Like before I even put the things on the counter, no, I don't, I'm fine, great. And we do the transaction and before I could even show a, an ounce of impatience, she said, your receipt will take approximately 30 seconds to print out. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> I mean, it was like managing my expectations, even though the interaction between the two of us was probably, I don't know, two minutes. But it's funny, and I, and we live in New York City, so I don't want to go into the stereotype, but I guess I have to. There's a lot of impatience here, right? And people, <laughs> people like 30 seconds to some people seems like an eternity. But the mere fact that this person let me know step by step what was happening, even in that short period of time, um, made me think that this was good customer service. Yeah, definitely. I think that we all have to think about our prospects and how our prospects want to be sold to, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. she must have experienced a lot of impatient people <laughs> in her life. She must not work at CVS. Have you ever gotten a CVS receipt? <laughs> that takes more than 30 seconds. You work at CVS and uh, you're listening to this. You guys could definitely innovate your receipt giving coupon We have nothing process. against CVS. I love just... CVS and I love coupons, but I would love them even more if they were in an app. <laughs> oh, definitely. Opportunity to innovate. <laughs> and not definitely. in a crumpled up ball stuffed at the bottom of my purse. <laughs> um, so that kind of, in some ways, we've been talking a little bit about how challenges drive innovation that leads into the next thing I wanted to talk about, um, which is obviously um, sales leaders know that you should be innovating, hopefully. Um, everybody knows that they should be innovating, but there are challenges that you face when you are working to drive sales innovation. So what are the, the challenges you specifically see sales leaders facing? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on that. So I find, so innovating and opportunity go hand in hand, I think. And so one challenge that a lot of sales leaders are facing is how to better integrate great marketing with sales and specifically for lead targeting and lead generation, lead scoring, qualification. You know, old school marketing would be on one side of the fence, develop collateral, throw it over the fence, sales would catch it and either like it or reject it and back and forth. Um, but the, the boxes were very distinct. You know, mm -hmm. you're in your box, I'm in my box. Um, sales does all the qualifying. Now what I'm finding actually is that marketing is taking on a lot more of the lead generation, a lot more of the thought leadership in targeting and what to go after. And now getting a little bit into the selling side, actually doing some initial qualification, whether that's in some form of outreach or in some form of workflow emails. And I think a big challenge that sales leaders face is how to really make take advantage of all the tools that are out there. We use HubSpot, but there is a whole bunch of platforms out there and really make them work effectively and know what is marketing doing and what is sales doing. 
Yeah, that's such a great point, Charles. I think um, when you look at the way that marketing and sales work together now, there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of even, I work on step one of the process, then you do step two, then I do step three, then you do step four, then I do step four and a half. And <laughs> it can be really confusing. And so that's really challenging for, for people on both sides just to figure out, especially maybe if you've been in your job for a while and it didn't used to be that complicated. It used to be, um, you know, they did their thing, I did my thing. And, you know, we, we talked, we exchanged some information, but it wasn't nearly as complicated. Um, I, I think sales leadership is always a challenging job. When it comes specifically to innovation, I think sales leaders have difficulty sometimes in balancing maintenance of an existing process to kind of trying to keep sales going with coming up and imp implementing new ideas. Sales is often um, truly and, and accurately seen as a risky area for innovation. If you have successful sales, which hopefully most of our listeners are doing really well, um, and you make a change, you can be worried. Uh, if that change doesn't work out, you can take your quarter, you can take your year, you can lose your job. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so innovation can be really risky. You know, if I implement a new a new process, um, what if it doesn't work? If I, you know, if we change the presentation, if we change the order of, of how we present our products and services, if we change our products, if we um, change who we're, who we're selling to, all of that is really risky. So we see that some sales leaders um, can lean on the side of being very risk averse and just wanting to do the same thing over and over and over again because they know it works, um, even though over time it's going to stop working. Then we do see some sales leaders who are completely on the opposite end of that spectrum, and they're mavericks. And a lot of times, you know, it's it, it might be somebody who was promoted. They used to be a salesperson. They liked to push boundaries. They liked to come up with new ideas and new things. Maybe this is a person who didn't like to follow process, mm -hmm. and uh, they didn't somehow gain that skill when they got promoted into leadership. And so you have some sales leaders who, who just think, you know, do whatever it takes. Um, I'll come in, and I'll rescue if things don't work out. Um, no need to have a process. And I think both of those are are really dangerous. And what we see as, as the most successful approach is really trying to strike that appropriate balance between taking some risk, but also making sure that you have a process, you have a foundation that you are able to kind of make changes within as opposed to just in a vacuum. Definitely. Definitely. And as far as challenges, people don't like change. We <laughs> like everything to stay the same and we like to feel secure and, you know, we don't like to feel uncomfortable. And there's really no part of innovation that jives well with that mindset, unfortunately, because premise of being creative and thinking in an innovative way requires you to think outside the box and outside that normal process. So for sales leaders, um, I would say in this scenario, if you're struggling, if you're faced with salespeople that don't like to change process or, or change their mindsets, um, start with yourself. I always say that, but Definitely. You know, start by being comfortable with change yourself and shake things up every now and again. Figure out how, how can you be creative within your own role? What can you be doing better? What should you stop doing? And really, where do your biggest problems lie? And how can you innovate your own problems and find solutions for those in a way that's also going to get passed down to your sales team and kind of lead by example? Definitely. I also hear you say embrace the discomfort. It's oh, like, yeah, you know, you've got to. Got to be willing to be on the edge all the time. It's not comfortable when we change things, but it, I think in the end, it's more uncomfortable to keep doing the wrong things yeah. than it is Definitely. to just make a swift change or, you know, something that's going to be progressive and potentially see a good outcome from that. Yeah. And I okay. think to your point, Rebecca, I think there's a difference that we often overlook between be something being uncomfortable and something being unfamiliar. Mm. We tend to think that unfamiliar is uncomfortable. And I think if you can decouple those two and just look at unfamiliar as something that's just 
give it time until it becomes familiar mm-hmm. and go through whatever discomfort you may or may not go through. We um, have to get like over that. our own head trash. Yeah. And we have to listen to our little rocket ship landing over here. <laughs> I don't know if it's loud enough to hear, but we have a very loud air conditioner that likes to <laughs> go on and off. Yeah, and we're having quite the heat wave in New York, so the air conditioner is dialing up and down, maybe a little more often than usual. Um, Rebecca actually wrote an ebook back in January that um, listeners should check out if you really, um, if you find that you you yourself or your team are resistant to change or change averse. She wrote an ebook on how embracing change will actually it's a good thing and it helps you. Change is is an opportunity to use change as an opportunity, and something you should definitely check out. We will include a link to that in the show notes. Thank. You. Which again, you can find at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod seven seven. Yeah, if anybody has trouble with change, just give me a call. I can I can talk you through that. <laughs> She's right going to now. later. <laughs> um, so we've been talking about sales leaders and managers. I want to talk a little bit more about that. And really, let's share some best practices that sales managers can use and, and leaders can use to promote and manage sales innovation. Um, I had a, a bunch of ideas, kind of big picture. Um, the first thing that I, I really want to emphasize is if you want to promote innovation, one of the most important best practices is empowerment. You really want to make sure that you're empowering your team. Make sure that people feel like they have the opportunity to share ideas and contribute to conversations. Um, the way you do that is build a culture that values diverse viewpoints and accepts constructive criticism. You have to set the expectation that you might throw out an idea and somebody else on your team has the ability to you know, to give you feedback that might be negative, and that's okay, and um, not attack or get really defensive. And um, it, it shouldn't be, you know, harsh, but um, you can build and help each other. So just making sure that you have that sense of empowerment. When it comes to managing within existing innovations that might be happening, right, whether you drove an innovation or an innovation came in from leadership and you're kind of implementing it, um, to me, it really all comes back to change management. And I think a lot of times people have this idea that you just flip a switch and things happen. And that is not how change really happens. It's slow. It's uncomfortable, unfamiliar for people. Um, people are expected to change their behavior, change their environment. And um, it's it can be really difficult. And I actually wrote an ebook back in the day about change management. And it it talks about, you know, I would say the big three steps in the process is making sure you have a plan, making sure that you're getting buy-in, and making sure you communicate. I will include a link to the full process, which is a bit more than that, um, in the show notes. But it, it's all about change management. It's all about making sure that you have a plan for how you're going to actually implement that innovation and that you keep people in the loop and you kind of over-communicate because that's going to drive a much more successful, um, you know, realization of what that innovation was supposed to accomplish. Gotcha. All right. So some best practices that I've seen managers use to promote and manage sales innovation. Well, I've got to say one place that sales managers can and often do innovate is in their sales team meetings. And I just wrote a blog on this. And um, you can search innovative ideas for running a sales meeting. I actually have five of them. And quickly, just to tell you what they are. And we will include a link in the show notes so you don't have to search. (laughs) Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, You know, first off, if your meetings are boring or dry and dull and you're finding people are checking out, which oftentimes is the case, and I've been there, I know what that feels like on the receiving and the giving end, Um, start with an icebreaker. It could be a funny story. It could be something that one person is going to uh, use as a, a story as an icebreaker 
and um, I'm talking about really two, three minutes max, just to kind of loosen people up and get them comfortable and in a way, you know, make the meeting fun. And before the uh, next topic on the agenda, the icebreaker would pick the next person on the team to be the icebreaker at the next meeting. And then I'd say the other innovative thing is to not really treat your sales team as an island, but in your meetings, invite other departments or other functions. And I would recommend at a minimum marketing and operations because they can give insights for the sales team and updates on what's going on. Mm -hmm. Use the playbook as the third thing for ideas from the team. So people before the meeting can put their ideas in the playbook and then you can cherry pick those ideas and have the person with any particular idea um, expand on it. And my other favorite, something I used to do when I was uh, head of sales, is let someone else run the meeting. It actually gave me a lot of time to think and listen, because if I'm busy doing all the talking, the meetings uh, likely get off track. And then number five is stick to a standard agenda, because I think if people know what's coming and it's standard every meeting, they can prepare better, they can respond better, they can actually know what's coming. It's just a good thing, because a lot of the time, if they don't know what the meeting's going to be about or what the next thing to be discussed is going to be about, that can also lead to a lot of people checking out. Yeah, definitely. And I'll throw some in here too, best practices um, to promote and manage sales innovation. Definitely use a digital sales playbook. Your playbook was literally meant for this. And I want to stress that I mean a digital or cloud-based playbook because it needs to be easily accessed by team members. So definitely. if your playbook is a Word document, ain't going to cut it. Mm -mm. <laughs> Got to get a digital sales playbook. So uh, what do I mean by this? I'm actually going to give you guys an example from my own experience. Uh, many of you listening may or may not know that Charles and I are both speakers. So I do quite a bit of speaking outreach for different conferences and events and things of that nature. So last quarter, I really struggled to find and book events. And I was having a hard time and I knew it was time to be a little innovative and do what, 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 what am I not doing here? Practice what you preach. Exactly. I knew I needed to look what at what I had been doing and figure out what I haven't done yet. So what haven't I thought of yet? What could I doing, be doing better? I went back to the drawing board, did a lot of Googling, talked to some experts in the speaking world, read a lot of articles, eBooks, listened to podcasts. And then I went back to the old process and I didn't throw it away. I didn't just like I can't crumple it because it's digital, but you know, <laughs> like you know my really CVS receipt, <laughs> like my CVS receipt. I didn't crumple it. I, instead, I just expanded on it. I found areas where I could improve the process and where I needed to improve myself. Which really, it just took that I needed to be putting more time into this, um, and then even some parts that didn't exist before. So it's only been a month since this new process started. I started with a new process and implementing some new ideas, but. I'd say it's already paying off. Oh, Definitely. we're seeing great results. Seriously. Yeah. I'm, I'm like 400% really, really up from last quarter. <laughs> there you go. That's a good thing. And by the way, if any of our listeners have ideas of places where we could have we could speak, where um, either Charles, ideally, or Rebecca could talk about sales growth and sales yeah. leadership, um, <laughs> feel free to reach out. Podcast at CriteriaForSuccess.com. We would love to hear from you. little Definitely. plug there. Definitely. Doing your job for you, Rebecca. Thanks. That's awesome. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> Always happy to help. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So we've talked a lot about sales leaders, but we know that we have a lot of salespeople who listen to our show um, and we appreciate uh, your listening as well. Um, so I'd love to hear from each of us ideas for how can salespeople work to better support innovation. I'm going to go back to what I just said before. You have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to adapt or shift any or all parts of your process if it's broken. If the way you're currently talking to prospects isn't working, just stop doing it. Take notes on what you're actually saying when you're meeting with people and then bring that to your peers or to your sales manager, to your triad if you have one, and figure out where things are going wrong. Ask for advice. The mm -hmm. biggest lesson that I've learned in sales is that mentorship is the key to it all. Mm. We Sometimes we have the answer, we just don't know we have the answer, and it takes talking to somebody else to unlock it. Yeah, you don't have to have have a coach or a mentor who's going to come and give you the wisdom. Yeah, but, um, you know, but one you. of the most important things um, as a coach that you can do is help people discover solutions for themselves. For sure. And you sometimes need to be a step ahead, but sometimes you're just with, with somebody kind of nudging <laughs> and then they come to the realization. And it's a lot more powerful if they have the idea than if you Definitely. as the yeah, coach. Yeah, they do. own it. Yep, yep, for sure. My bottom line response is to, if you're a salesperson, just participate. What do I mean by that? You can be the voice of the client or the customer, and you have a very powerful voice in your organization. If you're coming back with, what are you hearing? What are people telling you? And it could be centers of influence. It doesn't just have to be customers and clients. Centers of influence, people who are going to give you referrals. Bring those back to the organization. Bottom line, be a collector of innovation in the field. Yeah, I want to kind of build on that, Charles, because I think it's not just about um, looking for ideas and looking for innovations and kind of hearing from people. But then as a salesperson, you do have a responsibility to do the work to develop good relationships with other people inside your company so that you know who to bring those ideas back to. You want to make sure that you're not just becoming siloed within sales. Um, certainly depending on your organization, when you have ideas, bring them to your manager, whoever they are, and hope that it'll work. But um, better, if possible, is do you know the people in marketing who make those decisions? Do you know the people in product? Or whatever areas of the business that might be impacted by innovation, um, if you can go to them directly, not bypassing your manager, but just um, filtering information to the right people, that can be really helpful. Um, and then you want to make sure that you're open because you're going to have ideas and they might say, we're already doing something very similar or we already, and uh, you know, but just be willing to listen, be willing to, um, to get their feedback. They're going to build on some ideas that you have and sometimes they're going to cancel or, or change them. Um, a lot of times as a salesperson, innovation kind of happens around you and innovations are decided on by people in leadership. Um, and so to me, what you really need to do as a salesperson is just do your best to stay on top of what's coming. Um, make sure that you are working closely with your manager, um, your coach, whoever it is, to clarify what are the expectations for what you are supposed to do at this moment, um, when might those change, and just make sure that you're you're meeting all expectations. Because during um, periods of change, periods of innovation, uh, you don't want to fall short of what you're expected to do, and sometimes it can be really unclear. So kind of help your manager um, hold you accountable. Awesome. Those are, those are great tips. All right. Speaking of tips. So last question. Um, we're running up on time. So I'd love to hear from each of us um, one piece of actionable advice that we could share so our listeners can drive sales innovation, something that they can apply today. Charles, why don't we start with you? One of the hardest things that, um, how do I say this, that I find when we walk into a new client is unleashing the top performer. What do I mean by that? 
there's so much good secret sauce that top performers on a sales team possess and oftentimes they're not encouraged to share it and a lot of the time not uh, not that much actually people think it's more frequent than it really actually is but there are times when top performers don't want to share their secret sauce because it's like I'm too busy or it's my job security to hold on to my secret sauce and I feel that if you can enable people top performers to continue to share their secret sauce they get into what I call a wheel of innovation and what that means is that by giving away secret sauce you make room to learn new secret sauce so it's that constant giving it away mm -hmm. getting it back giving it away and if you do that over time you really will be a thought leader and I think top performers really want to be that want the respect to be a thought leader and ultimately impact the uh, the company Definitely. Um, you know, I always think of the fact that you never learn more than when you're teaching. And so if you're sharing your ideas and teaching them to other people, you're going to learn and get new ideas. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, uh, when I think of actionable advice um, that listeners can apply, um, I'm going to go back to what I said back when you interviewed me, Rebecca, about my ebook um, in episode, I believe it was 73. Um, and I'm going to say the most important thing that you can do is Form a cross-functional group that's going to work together um, and start talking about areas for improvement. Um, it is amazing how often you might have just kind of challenges in the process, things that you know don't work, and you're sitting there within your sales organization kind of frustrated about that thing and you're never coming up with a solution. If you got people from marketing, people from IT, people from HR, um, delivery, product development, all those other groups and departments, and you formed a working group with them and they understood that problem, they might say, oh, we could solve that right away. Um, we just had no idea that was a problem for you. Yeah. You know, you've been beating your head against the wall and they just had no clue. Um, and there might be things that you're doing that are super frustrating to them and there's resentment that's building. There's a disconnect between marketing and sales, um, but you had no idea because you're stuck in your little silos. So make sure that you have that kind of cross-functional group. Um, then I would say I'm going to have like one B um, in terms <laughs> of actionable advice. The other thing is just look at any groups that you currently have any teams that you currently have and make sure that there's diversity of viewpoint within those groups because if you've got those groups where it's just everybody is the same role same background um, they're going to really struggle to come up with innovative ideas yeah. and so you do um, your whole team a benefit to kind of shake things up a little bit <laughs> I know I can speak from that perspective because all of us here at CFS have very different backgrounds. We're from, we're all from literally different parts of the country. Yep. And world. <laughs> oh, and worlds. Cause yeah, Charles is from across the pond, <laughs> from across the pond. Yes. Um, so I know for a fact that working in a team where there are diversities in perspective and just culturally and from different places, we always have different ideas around the same topic, which is yeah. always interesting to see too. So I definitely can corroborate that as a, <laughs> as a tip. And I think that my tip also comes from our podcast that we did together, because what I'm going to encourage you to do is to make actionable what we talked about earlier, which is not, you know, always thinking about ways that you can improve. What can you be doing better? So a way to manage that process is to use your sales playbook. Um, that is the place where your team members can share their ideas. You might choose to add this as a forum discussion where people are sharing ideas for innovating different processes or in, maybe perhaps they have an idea for how you might expand an offering, a service offering. Or maybe you might make innovation an actual page in your playbook and people can comment on it or add to it 
However you set that up is going to be up to you, but definitely use your playbook as a place for people to collaborate with innovative ideas. Definitely. Even just simple things like using comments. Yeah. You know, you might have a page that's locked down because it's a set process, but comments are open mm -hmm. and people, somebody could leave a comment saying, you know, this makes sense. I do this as is, but I actually have a slightly different way that I would recommend step three working. Yeah. Um, and that's a way that you can allow for um, innovation within kind of an appropriate place. You know, you can't always let people change the process all the time. They can't just go and do whatever they want to do. But if you say you can give feedback, you can share ideas, um, and then we'll consider them, you're creating that space for innovation while also not kind of pushing yourself outside the boundaries of what's comfortable and what's um, acceptable in terms of risk. Yes, definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, this has been a great discussion and I'm um, so glad that, that Rebecca and Charles, you could be with us here today. Um, and thank you everybody so much for listening to Let's Talk Sales. You can find the notes for today's show and all of those resources that we've been talking about at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod seven seven. Next week, we'll be talking to Brandon Bruce of Cirrus Insight. We're looking forward to that conversation. In the meantime, stay tuned for this Friday's inspiration, where Charles will be sharing a powerful quote from Phil Jackson. I think he might be a basketball coach. Not entirely <laughs> sure. Get me honest on that one, everybody. Um, beginning next month, we'll be writing about learning and discovery on the CFS blog. You can check it out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. Ariana will be releasing a new ebook, and we are super excited to share that with you. I think she is actually writing that today while she's staying homesick. Um, if you're enjoying the show, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a rating or a review. This will help more people find the show, and it lets us know what's working and where we have room to improve. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!